So my name is Mathia Asya. That's my two first names. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner. So I'm a board certified nurse midwife from Seattle University. And I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner. So board certified licensed acupuncturist and herbalist from Bastyr University. And I'm also a licensed massage therapist, um, a certified nutritional consultant, and I was a, a certified birth doula. Um, I'm American Iranian. So my mother is an American convert and my stepfather is also a convert um, and he's from Trinidad and Tobago. And I was born in DC. I grew up in Toronto and I've lived here in Seattle now for like 14 years. Wow. So it sounds like you have a ton of education and experience in wellness and helping people. I'd love to hear how you came to be doing the work that you're doing now. Yeah, well, this is a kind of a obviously a long story and an interesting question for me to reflect on because I never, you know, set out on a particular like career goal per se. It wasn't like, oh, I want to, you know, become a doctor or something like that. It's for me, it's really been this like path of unfolding, you know, as life is, and I'm still watching how things are unfolding in my life. Um, I never imagined like that I would, you know, be here today with, you know, this, the studies that I've, I've done and stuff. Um, but I do think health and wellness and medicine, which, you know, would be interesting to kind of define, I think that it's been with me since I was a child, like, I came here, you know, in love and fascinated with um, the spirit world, with nature, with earth, with plants and herbs as medicine, with like food as medicine, um, things like gemstones and, you know, even prof prophetic medicines, um, Quranic medicine and Nani Tib and stuff like that as a youth, I was always really interested in. So it's just kind of been for me um, a lot of memories and stories and people I met and you know intuitive um, nudges that I had as a child like I don't think my my parents were not really into medicine but I I do think my ancestors were and I think that a lot of us around the world have you know even if it's from our grandparents or whatever it is that hold a lot of like home remedies and traditional medicines um and I think that's maybe more from my my dad's side but um I remember um finding like in my mother's home library you know books about Native American medicines and like one of the first books I remember finding was Back to Eden by Jethro Kloss which was a lot about like nutrition and um, even stuff on midwifery so and then like throughout high school I was um, I was very active in my school very active in my community and I was volunteering um, throughout high school at, at my local hospital so that was probably the first medical like you know um work or job that you know stuff that I was doing um and then when I was in high school I started taking classes at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition so for me again like I graduated there when I was you know 19 but it wasn't like I wanted to like go into become a nutrition as a career it was really um just following my own interests and passions like at that time my uh, I got introduced to that school through one of I would say one of my first mentors in my life and it was really just this unfolding where I was really intrigued by what they were saying there. It was a lot about challenging conventional medicine, um, talking about, uh, you know, spirit medicine and um, about the industry and stuff like that. So it was really like mind blowing. And the around that time before and after, but also during that school, I had a lot of, you know, spiritual awakenings and, and stuff like that. So for me, it's just been this like unfolding, but 
you know, uh, like fast forward, here I am, you know, um, with two masters of science, you know, one in Chinese medicine, one in nurse midwifery. And it has really been this really interesting journey. I think I uh, got interested in best year in Chinese medicine and have taken a lot of countless like courses and certifications and all that stuff. Um, our program, actually, we went to China for our, our for school. I've been to China many times, um, many different places, but I, I got to go with my school for acupuncture and then again for herbs. Um, and I also have a Shaolin, a Kung Fu teacher there as well. So um, I love to go back, but that was amazing. And then we also, I went to Nepal. So I work with an organization, Acupuncture Relief Project out of Nepal. And the first time I went there, um, it's a long story. I don't know how much time we have, but basically my experience there is what led me specifically to then decide, oh, I want to have more of the nursing stuff on the ground. I want to be able to open up my scope to be doing primary care as a nurse practitioner. And I also got interested in midwifery work, which for me, it was never something I was interested in, even though like even my mom was interested in it. And I'd be like, no, I like I just never imagined that. But um, at that time when when we got there, so there's a lot to say because I think there's a lot to say about organizations that do medical relief work and a lot of stuff like that. But the organization's really good and they they're really sustainable. And the, the camps you come for about like three months at a time, volunteer professionals come out. The last time I was there, actually, I was leading a team of the professionals. But yeah, the first time we basically got there and learned about uh, a teenage mom who um, was pregnant and ended up in labor. And apparently, I don't remember, I don't know the case. It would be interesting now as a midwife to go back and see what that case was exactly. But as we were told, like there was some kind of complications, um, the practitioners, as well as the local elders, like AKA midwives in the community decided like she really needs to get to the hospital. And of course, this is a three hour bumpy off road in Nepal kind of thing. And so she ended up losing um, that baby. So it's, you know, it was a bit very devastating. And I remember kind of walking away from that experience, like thinking, of course, it, it changes you and it shapes you all of these experiences. But I really walked away feeling like I really want to have more knowledge. I want to be able to have this in my scope of practice to be prescribing. I mean, we were dealing with stuff we might not never see here, active TB cases and a whole bunch of stuff, you know, so. Um, so that was one thing like just that I wanted more education and I wanted to be doing primary care in that way, which not everybody wants to do. But then the other thing was around this, this birth work, because as acupuncturists, we do work with people, you know, in pregnancy and postpartum, but in labor and delivery is such a specialty. And if you're not in that world, like I was never pregnant at the time or whatever. So I, I don't, I had no clue about the world of birth. Um, but I knew that I really wanted to be doing you know, medical relief were kind of sit, you know, and like into my future, inshallah. So it was one of those things where it's like, I'm, it's going to happen to me where I have somebody who's going to go into labor. Like I just, it's like, if not me, then who kind of thing, you know? And um, I don't know if the outcome would have been different if there was, you know, somebody there who was more specifically trained for, for birth. I mean, maybe not. I mean, there's, you know, there's always, uh, you know, times where you do need, you know, surgery and stuff like that. But I, you know, really walked away from there feeling like I really, I I want to study this. And so I, I came back and, and I, I, that year I came back, I was doing so much. I was finishing herbs. I uh, became a birth doula. Um, I was working, I was studying. I started taking prereqs for Seattle U. 
um, but really dove into that world. And, and my focus had already been on women's health because naturally my clientele were Muslim women, specifically Muslim women. So my focus was already on fertility and reproductive medicine and gyne and stuff. But um, in labor and delivery, it's such a kind of a unique, a unique thing. Um, I, I also had experience, you know, neighborhood clinics, Evergreen Treatment Center, International um, Clinic and Chronic Fatigue Department, Harborview. And then I also went out and I did acupuncture on the labor and delivery unit um, with Claudia Sidkovitz over in Brooklyn, New York, um, which also was huge for me. Um, and I was my only the only classmate um, in my midwifery program who decided to like go out to Spokane Birth Center. They have a freestanding um, birth center there. So my heart has always also been like in community based, but I wanted to have the nurse practitioner stuff to be independent in this in this state as well as have privileges in the hospital. And my program was like an intensive, um, but I also did have uh, you know experience as an OB guide nurse at Swedish First Hill. So yeah, it's just been like this continuous unfolding for me. And you know, and here I am. Like, how did I come to do this? I don't know. It's just it's just been you know, alhamdulillah, my, the path that I've been on. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've gathered a lot of tools and learnings along your way, and um, one of the motivating factors after witnessing you know, the woman's, um, infant loss, um, that, that you decided to expand to more of a holistic care. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, for me, it's really has been like my passion now is more, it, it is really about like bridging these two worlds, the Eastern medicine and the Western medicine, um, into true, like integrative, you know, care. Um, and, um, yeah, that's just kind of been, my I guess my focus now and it's actually kind of a specialty like I only know I think three other people in this country that have my these two scopes these two licenses like nurse nurse midwifery as well as uh, licensed acupuncturist so it's pretty rare and I and I'm really excited to see you know what I end up doing with it where I end up going with it but yeah yeah and like and for me it's also a lot about um really having the wisdom to know what what goes where you know when I talk to people it's 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 been interesting because it's also like you only know what you learn and what you know you know and so um how can it be that you're a medical doctor and you've only had like one class in nutrition or something like that where for me that's like my foundation you know I kind of have built um on top of on top of things but it's like uh, what what I'm really passionate about is it's about personalized, individualized medicine and honoring that we all um, are not just the physical body, you know, health and wellness involves the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the energetic and the environmental systems. So um, all traditional knowledge shows us this and that these systems are uh, interdependent and relational, that you can't really separate them. And when we do, you know, there's uh, some detriment and we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing that in in our health systems that are really failing the public, failing us. So um, as humans, you know, we are heart, we have heart-centered knowing and the capacity through this wisdom to, to truly heal, you know, and I, and I really think that a lot of people are really searching for that, for that truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that not only are patients suffering in the system, but the practitioners are suffering in the system because 
they most likely chose, you know, healing, wellness, medicine, nutrition, and even their specialty, knowing that they wanted to help um, people and be part of a team and something's uh, being lost and broken down. And um, I mean, I think the patient's experience is often that of confusion and frustration and just not not really feeling cared for. So it must be really nurturing to be in a in a small uh, setting where you can do really one on one care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. So that brings me to my next question, which is, would you like to share a little bit about your current services and community offerings? Yeah. So at the beginning of the um, this year, 2022, um, I was helping Michael Corning, who you also had talked with, right, open up Baraka Beauty Collective, um, which is a much needed space uh, for specifically for women, a private space in Northgate for women, where we have many different services. So um, Baraka Beauty Collective, we have a lot of you know, social events. Um, we had we were hosting iftars, halakas, stuff for youth, um, women education centered courses. Like we had Village Auntie come out, which was amazing, and inshallah she'll come out again. Um, and then you know it's it's you know Michael Corning has her um, hijab and fashion line there and stuff. So it's a safe space for people to come get you know the services salon whatever, but also just to come and have. Um, you know, come and have tea, come and hang out. So I um, have my private practice there. It's called Mehdiya Asya Integrative Medicine. And I offer traditional Chinese medicine, uh, TCM, aka acupuncture, which is a whole conversation about like what is TCM. Um, people understand or, or have heard of acupuncture and call us acupuncturists, but acupuncture is actually a tool that we have in our toolbox of our medicine. So that's a whole other conversation, but that's what I'm doing there. And, and again, it's so it's individualized. You know, we're not just addressing your chief complaints um, and your health goals, but it's really about lifestyle recommendations, nutrition, herbs, medication, supplements, you know, um, energetic work. And I, I do also offer massage and cupping um, as well as, you know, Islamic wet cupping hijama. Um, and I would say just to kind of throw it out there for people that um, most acupuncturists are considered specialized, special have specialization in pain management. Um, there's becoming more and more research specifically around this, and I and I do believe it's because of the whole you know opioid epidemic, where when it comes to pain, the the Western system again is failing people because again, what's in their toolbox? You know what what is what do they have? What do they have to offer people? And when it comes for, to pain, it's very tricky. And a lot of times the tools that they have in their toolbox are medications. And so it's, you know, people are given different meds and, and sometimes they're not effective or you need something strong or, you know, people come out of surgery or different, different problems. So it's, you know, when you talk about opiates, you know, these are highly addictive and after a period of time, they just, they're not, they're not even helping you anymore. So um, acupuncture has, they've been doing a lot of research specifically for this, but it's very helpful. And I would say everybody who studies acupuncture, we learn how to treat pain because we understand pain from a totally different lens. And again, the medicine is about getting to the root of why you have these issues, right? So um, pain, acute, chronic, any any type of pain you can think of. And of course, that's a long list. Um, 
as well as like sciatica, pinched nerves, stroke recovery, you know, palliative care, things that are maybe considered like functional medicine. There's nothing physiologically wrong with you, um, like, you know, some chronic diseases, digestive issues, you know, fatigue, immune system issues. Um, and then, of course, for me, it's also gyne, reproductive medicine, fertility, pregnancy, in you know, acupuncture in pregnancy, as well as like labor prep, stuff like that, postpartum, uh, menopause, stress. In, you know, in, insomnia, depression, anxiety, PTSD. So acupuncture is really amazing for that. But I, again, people often think about in the model of like coming in for treating one thing. And really it's not about that. It's about everything going on with you. Um, you know, we want to know how's your digestion? How's your, we want to know about all of this because it actually, it actually gives us information for our, our, our diagnosis in our medicine uh, picture. So yeah, and and the other thing that I also want to mention um, that I that I'm offering is community acupuncture. So um, that is something that again I can go on a tangent about because there's so much history here around what is that and how did it come to be. But um, a community acupuncture is a setup where you're coming to receive acupuncture uh, with other people, right? You're sitting in a community style on chairs. Um, we have the majlis upstairs, so you know it, it is a sitting, but it's a way to be able to treat a lot of people in a, a relatively short amount of time. So it's mostly been used for medical relief work as well, um, like ac acupuncturists without borders, and a lot of these organizations um, do this. When I was in Nepal, that was also the setup um, because you want to be seeing a lot of people, and a lot of times it's used for trauma, for disaster relief, and for this kind of thing where. Um, you don't necessarily need to talk. So it's less talking maybe, it's more specific about what you're coming for um, and longer time with the needles retention. Um, and it's 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 a sliding scale, so it's feasible. So for me right now, I, I'm not taking insurance, which is a whole other conversation, but I do want it to be accessible for people. Um, and so community style is great because it's sliding scale. It's great for people who maybe they don't haven't ever tried it they want to try it for the first time or they need more acupuncture the idea is to have it like right now i'm only offering it once a month ideally i would be offering it like once a week actually often it's often many times a week right so if you need to come in many times a week you have morning sickness you have some acute pain flare up or something then you can come in more often and it's more feasible and it's also been uh very useful for um trauma so the specifically the ear acupuncture the auricular acupuncture is mostly what's used for community style but i, I mean i need all, all over your body like the front of your body but um traditionally actually the black panthers were some of the first to make this uh really well known in their community and and, and brought it kind of to america in a way because they um, were dealing with uh, chemical dependencies, different addictions, as well as like the social impact of their community. And so they wanted a way that's very affordable, that very effective to treat um, these, these conditions. And so community acupuncture was born, but it was specifically about uh, ear acupuncture. So I'm actually certified it's NADA, National Acupuncture Detox Association. It's uh, specifically about ear acupuncture, but it's used now in methadone clinics and um, uh, it's a, it's a long story, but basically, um, it also became really popular during uh, President Nixon's time because I guess one of his, uh, I don't know exactly who he was in his, you know, in his in his group, but was over in China and needed a appendectomy, and and they end up 
they actually use acupuncture for anesthesia. So instead of having as much medication, they 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 modulate it with acupuncture, specifically electroacupuncture. And so he had come back and wrote a newspaper article about this because it was like big, like big deal. Like it was huge, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so then it became something that was, you know, used for, you know, uh, a lot of the vets who were coming back addicted to heroin and stuff like that. And during 9-11 and stuff like that, um, there, there's clinics now that are set up for that. So um, that's a model that I'm also bringing in. And I ideally would like to make it more available, you know, per month. And also like, inshallah, also spread it maybe down to like the South End because we're up in Northgate. But um, you know, having that kind of also available for people. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It could be a traveling, uh, acupuncture clinic. <laughs> yeah. And people do do that for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I first heard about community acupuncture, um, when I went to massage school over 20 years ago yeah. and the very first time I had acupuncture was actually in a community health clinic and there were students who were learning their craft. And I remember having the needles placed and it was really powerful. I wasn't expecting um, immediate response in my body, but I felt it right away. Um, yeah. So I, I recommend to anyone that's curious that has any of the, you know, conditions that you mentioned um, or is someone who's looking for alternatives to, you know, prescriptive pain meds. Um, and I think there's something to be said about healing, um, you know, in, in Europe, they use this social prescription. So part of healing is not being isolated with your pain, you know, yeah. and, and being in community and getting support and, um, and yes, rest and, and having quiet moments, but also connecting with other people, making human connection. Yes. It's, it's, I think a big part of it, you know, being able to watch people, um, you know, get therapeutic benefit because they're sitting with other people who are dealing with the same things that they're dealing with to be honest you know mm -hmm. and I think that that's very powerful and I know I watched in Nepal like just how people would be talking with each other and you know be even giving each other like recommendations that we would tell them like drink more water and like you know these kind of things but also um, you know, energetically, there's something about sharing space with people and being in that kind of communal, um, like in it together, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. So what's the dream? What are you hoping to manifest and offer in the future as you grow? Yeah, I mean, so, well, hopefully more workshops and teachings. I think that's kind of something that, um, I, I had I had been starting to do that specifically like stuff for other doulas, you know, acupressure um, for doulas. And um, there's so much um, for the public as well for other practitioners, um, something that I'm really interested in. But again, because there's so, so much to say in terms of um, sharing, like I feel like now I've been in school for so long and yes, I've, you know, worked and, and been doing a lot of different stuff, but it's like now I'm actually like working work, like I'm an adult out in the work field, you know, like. And, and now it's like, so I'm coming out to start sharing the information that I've, I've had, I have, you know, and so, and, 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 and you know, inshallah that'll continue to, as I continue to grow and, and work and stuff, so, and learn and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. but there's a lot of need there for um, collaborations, you know, helping other people do the work that they're here to do, um, you know, some of which I, I can, you know, I, not 
talk about because it's, you know, hopefully a lot happening into the future. And it's actually really exciting. I think we should get excited about where we're headed. I know there's a lot of heavy stuff going on right now too, but I'm, I'm also watching the shift that's happening. Um, and again, having the wisdom to know like what, what, what goes where. So even if I was, you know, continuing to work with acupuncture relief project, I mean, to go back there and be helping there, there, there's actually a midwifery clinic right next, next door to our practice, um, and stuff like that, you know, knowing the wisdom, I tell people it's, you know, when I'm, it's not, you're not going to like be dealing with trying to give people herbs when they have an active eye infection and they're an elderly or a child, you know, like there, there's wisdom to know what goes where and, and for what purpose. And I think it's really interesting to even, I don't know, do I need a YouTube channel or what, but like to discuss cases, being able to look at it from both that Western as well as the Chinese medicine, you know, perspective, I think is very fascinating. Um, and in terms of like my own work, um, you know, I also hope to open up my scope of practice to start to do more than nurse practitioner, um, women healthcare services, right? Labs and tests and prescriptions, contraception, family planning, IUD placements, PAPs, all that stuff I'm capable of doing and offering to the community, as well as hopefully returning back to um, birth work. So, but, you know, beyond my direct practice, I, I really find that I'm sitting in a place of, yeah, having kind of two main missions right now. Um, the first one is is about education. And and mostly I think it's, you know, I'm finding even as a student, it's like my colleagues, you know, the Western doctors don't necessarily even understand what is acupuncture, what is Chinese medicine, medicine. I mean, I, I continuously come up against that. And as much as they might know a little bit about acupuncture, like, oh, it's helpful for, you know, pain or whatever there's so much more there to talk about in terms of like the lens of like traditional medicines in general, um, as well as the Muslim community to be specific. I think a lot of people in the Muslim community don't also haven't really experienced acupuncture, don't really know what that is and um, might have some, you know, it might sound very foreign, you know, kind of thing. So a lot of my job has become about educating people and the other thing that's really important for me that I'm really focused on right now is how can we shift the like hospital systems to be specific because I'm a nurse practitioner, I have the ability, the privilege to be in hospital. Um, even though it's very challenge, challenging to be in those systems, there's something there that I feel very strongly like we have to shift it because otherwise I don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's a major, it's, a, there's like a major need to do so in this time, like people, people are dying, you know, in these systems. So um, how do we do that? You know, and, and for me, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a huge void there, but there's also a lot of barriers. And so I'm, I'm really at that place of feeling like you guys are behind really, but there's still, I don't know how long it's going to take for them to really catch on to this, but I, I do know that the public deserves more options and people are moving towards, you know, community and true, true, like, again, traditional medicines and that I have hope that we can actually make this shift. And it's not just about coming in and needling people because that's being done. To be honest, it is being done in some departments and some hospitals across the country, but it's again, it's about what is the actual 
energetics of this medicine that I'm holding. It's like, a, again, it's a, it's a cultural shift to bring in something that is so beyond just like the routine day-to-day -day thing, but seeing people where they are affecting the energy of that space, affecting the whole team of that space. Um, so specifically what I'm trying to do is bring acupuncture into the, again, acupuncture, but it's traditional Chinese medicine, right? Into the labor and delivery unit. And I feel like I am the one to do that. Like I have these two scopes. I, I know how to do this. I'm ready to do this. I want to do this. It's just a matter of like letting, letting it open to, to it happening because it's, it, there's still so much barriers there. So I'm, I'm really hopeful for that. Um, but it's also like, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm really hopeful for that to happen. So, yeah, that would be amazing. You know, like even, large institutions like Kaiser Permanente. I mean, they did that huge study on ACEs yeah. and it was, um, I mean, groundbreaking. And now so many people refer to it and it informs so much of the work that people do in um, trauma responsive care um, and from uh, along the lines of social work, medicine, teaching, like everything. So hopefully that window will open for you um, to bring traditional Chinese medicine, especially into the birth work um, in hospitals. That would be amazing. Yeah. I so I have this question that I was thinking about. I'm wondering how your spirituality is nurtured by your work or how your work is nurtured by your spirituality. Yeah, it, it is really that it goes both ways. You know, I'm, I honestly, I'm, I'm truly honored and, and like really privileged to do the work that I do. And it is um, that, you know, through my own spiritual self-work and my own like life experiences, I can see how that benefits other people, but it's also working with other people, you know, of course benefits me personally and spiritually. And, um, and that's on so many different levels. You know, I will say that when you're working in a field where you're dealing with literally life and death, right? It's not just life, but it's also death and, and life. I mean, it's it's huge. It's a huge window that I get to be looking through every time, you know, every day. And it's also, I'm constantly having to, <clears throat> in a way, like level up spiritually, you know, to be honest. And I feel like for me, as you can, you know, already hear kind of about how I talk, it's like, it, it is so connected life the work that I do, the mission I'm here to do, um, you know, as well as like the, these experiences that I'm having um, are so connected to like my own personal spiritual growth. And when you have reflection on these things, you know, it, it's constantly pushing you to grow. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, it's like you you part of you have to all has to also do the work that you're trying to help other people with and any practitioner needs their own practitioner and for me I also learn so much from my practitioners when I get treatments as well as from my patients every day like they're teaching me through the things that they're experiencing or dealing with you know um but yeah it's about character refinement it's about also uh major like ego deaths and letting go of some of these like even outcomes you know it's really about waking up every day asking a lot to like like let me truly serve you 
serve the people how you will, you know? Mm, yeah. Wow. Little ego death. <laughs> <laughs> that is so many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think it's tricky too being someone who's kind of had to find your way along the fringes because you know, as they say, if you don't find your space at the table, you build your own table. And it's not because of ego. It's because trusting and knowing that there's there's a different way of serving and kind of trailblazing that. Um, it's interesting because it can be really frustrating in power over institutions. Like you were saying, there's barriers and there's gatekeeping and there's just so many opportunities for misunderstanding, but when, when there's even a tiny, you know, like crack of yeah. light that gets let in, um, you know, tempering the excitement and the enthusiasm and the, and the deep desire with, you know, pacing the reality of it takes a long time to change a culture, to change a system. Definitely. Yeah. Just feel like I'm having a preaching moment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's exactly it. You know, and at, and at the same time, I think there's something about divine timing, and I think that there's something about like nobody, nobody else is you. Nobody else is doing the work that you're here to do, and can and can be you. You know, for whatever that means, and and that's that's not necessarily the ego per se. It's just the acknowledgement that like we're all here because Allah wanted us to be here for a reason, you know, and, and it's not, not everybody is for not, for everybody, it's not necessarily going to be about like work that they're doing per se. But um, for me, somehow it seems like to be inter so intertwined, you know, and I think that that a lot of that also has to do with, you know, I'm working in a field of like health and, and, and human about human humanness, you know, so um, it's, it, you're constantly learning you're constantly growing we're constantly having to like do be accountable look at stuff and do the work and I, and I think that again this is a theme that we're all kind of being pushed into right now you know how can we uh do better for each other you know and you to that degree you do have to kind of learn how to surrender some of it you know because it's really mm -hmm. not it's it's by a last power like even those like open little window cracks of openings it's like I see it as okay here's this thing that's you know and how can I have the strength to kind of go through that you know even though it is it is uh sometimes scary or all of those those different emotions and stuff but all of that's witnessed you know and, mm -hmm. it, and, all, and it all can shift you know yeah and as a student healer, teacher, practitioner with all those different roles. Um, I think one of one of my longings has been um, really trying to integrate the the spiritual work um, mm -hmm. as well. And that seems to be missing in a lot of our, you know, teaching institutions and almost making like a little quilt work, you know, finding people that share that desire. And I am seeing some positive signs. Like I know Emory University and some of the bigger institutions are integrating, whether you call it mindfulness um, or holistic or integrated care, but this recognition that people's spirituality um, does inform their well being and finding models that are reflective of the cultures around us that are still fairly intact <laughs> yes. as well as 
um, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, excavating, you know, yeah. and, and to, to find ways to, to reach people. I think one of the cool things about the pandemic was that people got creative about how they were going to connect and how they were going to support community well-being. I mean, with the simplest thing of reaching out to neighbors and finding out if they have their basic needs met. Like, mm -hmm. I think that there's some level of well-being that maybe was taken for granted. Yes. <laughs> in some, in some communities, it was very, it's very obvious that that certain basic needs are not being met. Yeah. Yeah. But just this idea that your whole being, like your, your whole person, whatever would help you feel, um, supported. And if that is spiritual resources, then, then that will be welcomed as well. So um, I'm interested if you have any treasured wellness resources that you wanted to mention that have been inspiration to, inspirational for you. Yeah, that's, and, and it kind of goes back to what you're just saying, where it's like, <clears throat> um, it depends on what you're wanting, right? Because it's like, there's, you can be, you can, you can be into the whole institution, institutionalized stuff, right? There's all these universities and, and whatever and it's like but there's also like what's outside of the box you know and it's so it's like what is wellness what does wellness mean to you because for me it does of course include stuff like the spirituality you know and and so it's really interesting but if, as you can imagine like the resources in, in my world it's like it's, it's so vast like what exactly are you looking for like what exactly are people looking for because I mean I, I love to talk with people who are maybe starting out on this journey they're thinking about going into one of these fields and they're like how do I do that like what steps do I take because I you know I, I skipped over all the years of prereqs and all the years of like jumping through hoops and you know the things that you're going to have to deal with and face you know in these systems and to so, so to support people in that but to also know that a lot of other people are doing a lot of amazing work in their communities on the ground. And, and as you know, like when you're doing things like doula work and that kind of stuff, it's like, we actually need to compile resources for people as practitioners, those resources, uh, like tangible, actually concrete things for people in the community is actually what's really important and what's really needed. Um, so that's really important. But, you know, I think, of course, I always you know, want to give credit and, and honor like my teachers, the teachers that again have come before us, you know, um, when you're talking about like Chinese medicine, I mean, these are like great practitioners, they're, they're saints, you know, there are people who the classic texts, you know, people who um, were really forging the way, you know, for us, you know, even like the prophetic medicines and all of these things. Um, there's, there's, a, there's so much knowledge there. I think it's just a matter of like asking, Allah to bring it's like when you are looking for the teacher you'll find you know the teacher shows up and the teacher you know is ready the students show up you know it's this like inter like this relationship so for me it's definitely like the people that I've learned from my direct mentors my patients that I've worked with we have to also give credit to you know the 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 people in you know even before us the the, the practitioners of the time were working on the public and and we we have to honor those people and some some of them unwillingly you know we're we're experimented on all this stuff so this is this is a big part of it you know my colleagues I learn from my colleagues every day like I said I learn from other practitioners who are treating me you know and and so forth and these people inspire me like every day 
I'm currently really focused on um, learning about current and, and past midwives um, specifically in this country, I think. So again, like we're living in a time where, you know, you can, people listening can take down, you know, these names, some drop some names and you can like go and look it up. You know, the internet is so amazing for us to be able to have access to amazing work that people are doing, you know, all over, you know, not, not everybody has that access, not everybody's on, you know, social media and stuff, but still there's so much you can find through the internet. And I'm really excited about, for example, like the work um, of Jenny Joseph, who is, you know, she's created the, the only independent accredited midwifery school um, and she has a clinic, but, you know, she's the only um, independent mid accredited midwifery school who's, you know, owned and run by a black person in this country. When we know that, you know, it was the black we say granny midwives of the deep south that were keeping midwifery alive you know the japanese midwives and native american midwives that kept midwifery specifically alive in this country right so this is a big conversation um nicole gonzalez who's a dear sister of mine she's also a certified nurse midwife and she's created you know the first Diné navajo Diné um, birth center you know in the united states so people like that you know i think it's really excited and it, they're, those are the people that i'm personally like hope hoping to you know into my future work with you know and collaborate with and like be supporting the work that they're doing um on a personal level you know all my spiritual teachers I I I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be who I am you know without them I would say it that way you know it's like my my late Quran uh Tafsir teacher brother Adnan my 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 sheikh Sidi Muhammad al-Jamal Shadali my living imam Habib Umar al-Hat bin Hafiz and you know, people like Miriam Hasna is doing amazing work or the herbalist um, Karen Rose. I really like her work a lot. I really like Aviva Ram. I don't know if a lot of people know her. She's also a medical doctor, herbalist and midwife. Um, she does, I like her stuff a lot. Um, people talk about like, oh, Mark Hyman, you know, all of, he's like medical doctor, functional medicine. It's like the stuff he's talking about in terms of nutrition is what we learned 20 years ago in nutrition school, but it's now that information is becoming more public and accessible for people. I really like um, the work of um, neuroscientist um, Andrew Huberman. Um, I've really been into Huberman lab. I've really been into some of the work that he's talking about. So yeah, I mean, it's just like so much like what, what, what is it that you're looking for? You know, if you just search my name, then you'll, you know, find my, my site, my, I'm just using square site. And that has my more information about my, me, my services. You can find my schedule book um, to come see me in private practice and also has my contact info. So it has my email, has my phone number um, as well as Facebook. Um, and then I'm on Instagram. So it's also my name, Mehdi Asia, but with med as in medicine, M-E-D at the end. Um, so my name is spelled Mehdi Asia, two words, first, first name M-A-H-D-I-Y-A-H, and then Asia, A-S-I-Y-A. And um, I'll, I guess, share my my site with you um, to put. And then the other way is, yeah, you can find us through, find me, find all of us through Baraka Beauty Collective. So that's Baraka, B-A-R-A-K-A-H. Um, and we have a website as well as social media. Yeah, great. I will link that. I really appreciate your time. I learned a little bit more about you and um, it, I always feel uplifted when I meet someone who is living in right livelihood and 
really sharing their wisdom uh, with the world. And I appreciate everything you do. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I also really love and appreciate you and all the work that you're doing too for the community. Thank Thanks you for having me here. <laughs>